Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Star Wars Bookworms. Enjoy. Even men like Talon Card occasionally make mistakes. This is the Chimera. Launch the attack. Time to go to work. You won't let me get killed, will you? Is that what I was supposed to be doing here? I should have brought my lightsaber. So, Aaron, Star Wars Visions came out today as we are recording this episode. Yes, it did. On Disney Plus. <laughs> On Disney Plus, correct. Uh, have you watched it or anything? I didn't have a lot of time today to like go through because I was surprised to see. I guess I hadn't really been following all the details around it, but I thought it might be kind of one episode at a time, like other stuff they've done. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that it was just everything was there, I was like, oh, I don't have time. <laughs> I don't have time to watch all these. So <laughs> time for this. So I watched like one this morning, and then another, the second one kind of over lunch, and that's it. That's mm-hmm. as far as I got. So I've seen the first two. Okay, so, like, before we talk about it, I guess, like, they're shorts, essentially, right? Like, they're not super long, like, Um, like, 10 minutes? They're longer than 10 minutes. I think they're kind of, it's almost like the length of a, you know, an episode of Rebels or whatever. So, they're, I think they're they're very, yeah, they vary in length. I mean, I didn't look at all of them, but I think the ones that I watched, I think, were longer than 15 minutes. Okay. Uh, and then another question. Where do you stand on just anime in general? I like it. I used to be a much bigger fan of it when I was younger um, mm-hmm. and had different anime series that I was into. Took kind of a big break from it for a while and then recently have kind of started to get back into some anime series. I do really enjoy that style of art. I'm not really a fan of anime, so, like, Star Wars Visions does not appeal to me at all. There's nothing about it that is driving me in to really take the time to watch it. Uh, I'll probably watch it eventually, but it's not, it's going to be one of those things that I watch because I don't have anything else to watch type of things. Yeah. So, because from what I've heard, I've heard, I've talked to one person about it, uh, uh, who is similar to me, and they said that it felt like fan films, which I don't like fan films. So, you know, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> Just like, okay. Yeah, I've heard a similar sentiment. Oh, it sounds like people that kind of enjoy to watch those that type of that style of animation are excited mm-hmm. about it and then people that aren't that into that style of animation are kind of like eh you know take it or leave it and it seems to be pretty split in the people that I've talked mm-hmm. to but because I do enjoy that I love I love Japanese animation in general not just in anime you know TV series but also in like films and things like that so I I like that kind of more artistic style and so I was excited to see what Star Wars was going to do with it. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't like blown away like, oh, this is going to be the best thing ever. It was kind of like, oh, cool. It's a visual It's a visual style that I think could really lend itself well to what Star Wars does, especially with, you know, lightsaber battles and all of that kind of stuff. So I was excited for that. And the first episode, 
that I watched was, you know, what I expected. It was a very unique art style, you know, with Star Wars elements, but definitely not anything you've seen before with Star Wars. Yeah, so, like, I can see how people who really love this style, I think it's really cool for them. And I think it's good that Star Wars is sort of branching out and including different genres of media, you know, to tell stories in. I think that's great. I mean, we had, what, the Lego Freemakers. Now we have anime, you know, style storytelling. And I think that's good. And I think it's because it's more inclusive that way. But I think I've come to the realization that not everything Star Wars is made for me. So, and that's okay. It doesn't have to be. That doesn't mean that it's bad. And that doesn't mean that it's, you know, not essential to Star Wars storytelling. It just means that it's not all for me. So, and I think I came to that realization after Resistance. (laughs) I was like, well, there you go. Yeah, and I think even within this Vision series, there's going to be a lot of different styles. So... You might find as you watch through them, there may be a couple that actually you do enjoy. I watched just the first two, and the first one is kind of more traditional anime, but also very different than a lot of different anime that I've seen. But the second episode was was definitely a completely different style. It was more comedic, um, almost more cutesy. Mm. And so I think there's going to be, even with you may be a a fan of a certain type of anime and still not find some of these interesting. You might think, okay, the more action packed ones with like the fast paced animation is more my style, but some of the more kind of cutesy goofy ones, maybe not your style. So it's, it's going to be kind of all over the, all over the map. I think with these, I think it's funny because you say, you say anime and I say anime. I think it's only because I usually, I think I'm being pretentious because Anime is usually, I think, how I refer to it, but I know the right way to pronounce it is anime, so I, I try to say it that way, but I think I'm only because I'm being recorded. Ah, I see. Because <laughs> okay. I know listeners would call, you know, pro- I think I've probably pronounced it both ways in this conversation, so I've probably already been called out. Yeah, but... well, you already say dringier, so it's fine. Yes, um, yeah, so we already know I can't on. pronounce things moving correctly. On. Uh, one more thing to note about these, the first episode, The Duel. Of the anime. Of the, anime, anime. The first episode, The Duel, uh-huh. the, the character from that, um, there's going to be a Del Rey novel about that character huh. called Ronin. And so even though it's not Ronin. part of you know the larger Star Wars canon, they are starting to do these kind of offshoots where it's like, okay, this is in the Star Wars universe, but not necessarily canon to the rest of, you know, the publishing. So this is going to be, it's in the Visions universe, I guess, or it's a Vision story, but it's, it's um, not going to be canon, but it looks cool. Isn't that, wait, isn't that from like Guardians of the Galaxy, Ronin? Well, Ronin. Isn't Ronin is a. Yeah, there is a character in Guardians of the Galaxy. Because when I hear the name Ronin, I want to go Ronin. (laughs) <laughs> the the roots of that word are, are much older than Guardians of the Galaxy, but yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Okay, well, if anybody wants to know about the history of the word Ronin, just ask Aaron, because he knows. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we did have um, an email from a listener all the way from Australia, which I thought was so cool, because when I think about our show, 
I think about this small little goofy podcast that we do and I don't think about people from other countries listening to it. <laughs> like I just so when we get emails like that, I'm like, whoa, that's cool. Uh, he's probably like the one guy in Australia that listens, but that's cool. I'm fine with it. And he literally opens with saying like, good day, mate. And he doesn't include the mate, but he says, good day. And I was like, that's funny. Uh, <laughs> Aaron and Teresa, big fan all the way from Australia. I have you two to thank for getting me into the Star Wars book universe. Look, we're doing good things. I read my first book this January when The High Republic came out and have now finished 15 of the canon novels. I found your podcast when looking for more canon info, and now, after I finish every book, I find your review episode and get an even more in-depth understanding. An added bonus is I also get to feel like I'm... Like, I travel back in time to hear what the latest Star Wars material was coming out that month. I would say my favorite book so far is Lost Stars, as it sh should be. As it should be. And Light of the Jedi. I'm really looking forward to more High Republic. I feel it is a super exciting part of the Star Wars timeline at the moment. Look forward to hearing more episodes in the future and receiving more love of Star Wars directly from you both. Thanks again, Matt Billington. Well, thank you, Matt. I wonder if he's been just listening to the episodes related to the, the novels he's been able to pick up so far, or did he just start at the beginning? Kind of curious to see if he's not try if he's trying not to be spoiled, because you know if you listen to a current episode, we might talk about books that have been out for a while as we're talking Does about Does it matter? Books. Also, don't encourage him to go in our backlog. Jeez. Well, I mean, we have, yeah, it's a pretty rough start for us. There was some us. sketchy audio back then, guys. Oh, yeah. I would say anything earlier than like episode 20 probably yeah, not don't, worth don't it. Yeah, don't listen. It's not <laughs> worth it. <laughs> and then also, before we get into our review, I just want to say like we, we've been having some trouble with recording on time and that's not Aaron's fault. That's my fault. Uh, also, the reason I haven't been on a few episodes. So Bookworms isn't going anywhere. Just be patient with this. Life's hard as it's, most of you probably have experienced. Uh, it's hard, and being an adult is hard. Well, like we said, we're gonna, High Republic is going <laughs> to dominate our reviews for a while. Oh, and yeah. And we are, you know, we're getting caught up on the books, and we, you know, so we actually have, I think, three. We have the adult novel, the junior novel, the YA novel, all to still review mm -hmm. that have come out recently. So we're going we're gonna to start with, I guess we're kind of going in release order, yeah, we're going to release order. So we're starting with uh, The Rising Storm. So this is the Del Rey adult novel. This is written by Kevin Scott, who I've mostly known from comics. But yeah. man, I found And uh, the audio drama. Yeah, but man, can he write a novel. Oh, uh, release date, yeah. June 29th, 2021. And the publisher summary is, following the dramatic events of Light of the Jedi, the heroes of the High Republic era return to face a shattered peace and a fearsome foe. In the wake of the great disaster and the heroism of the Jedi, the Republic continues to grow, bringing more worlds together under a single unified banner. Led by Chancellor Lena So, the spirit of unity extends throughout the galaxy, with the Jedi and newly established Starlight Beacon Station at the Vanguard. In celebration, Chancellor plans the Republic Fair, a showcase of the possibly or of the possibility and peace of the expanding Republic. A precept the Jedi hope to foster. 
Stellangios, Bel Zedifar, Elzarman, and others joined the event as ambassadors of harmony. But as the eyes of the galaxy turn toward the fair, so too does the fury of the Nihil. Their leader, Martian Rowe, is intent on destroying this spirit of unity. His storm descends on the pageantry and celebration, sowing chaos and exacting revenge. As the Jedi struggle to curb the carnage of the rampaging Nihil, they come face to face with the true fear their enemy plans to unleash across the galaxy, the kind of fear that even the Force cannot shield them from. It's interesting what they say there at the very end because it's kind of like they they make it sound like uh, the true fear their enemy plans to unleash across the galaxy. You don't really find out about that much in this book. They kind of save that to the end, and then it's like a big cliffhanger. Right. So it's interesting that they they included that in the in the summary, teasing something that is only to be teased further. The leveler. <laughs> Audiobook for you? Audiobook. Okay. Audiobook review. Good standard random house audiobook. Um nothing to scream about. Uh I actually have one tiny complaint. They had in these parts when they're in different parts of the fair on Velo, like bug and bird noises and like rain noises when they were uh, with the Nihil, like with Martian Rowe. Uh-huh. And I was like, ugh, stop. Like it was in my ear. And I was like, there's enough cicadas in real life. Like, what is this noise? <laughs> uh, so that was my one, one thing, my nitpick. Uh, but it's just a good standard audiobook with Mark Thompson as the, as your narrator. And I mean, it's his same quality that he always does you know nothing to scream home about uh i would say if you don't listen to it you're not really missing anything if you listen to the audio books like i do versus actually reading the books just because of time you're not going to be disappointed but i wouldn't there's not a whole lot to say really uh it's about god it's a long one it's like 15 hours or yeah, it is, something like that probably the longest uh, um high republic novel so yeah far. for sure um, and I don't know if reading the, the actual book is different than the audiobook, but it had a slow start. Uh, it wasn't holding my attention for like the first two to three chapters and then it finally started picking up. So I don't know if that was the audiobook or just the book. Uh, but I did notice that I was kind of like, my attention was waning a little bit, you know, and I was like, eh, I think I want to listen to true crime. <laughs> um, didn't. I didn't, but I thought about it. And that's kind of how I know if something is kind of good or not for me is how much my attention wanders or how much I think about wanting to do something else or listen to something else. So that's one of the things I've noticed is like if I start thinking about wanting to listen to something else, then I'm like, okay, you know. I never felt that way with this book. So I'm trying to even remember back. I'm like putting everything in order of how it happened in the book. Cause I, I can remember the major events, but I'm kind of forgetting what was at the beginning. Um, that might've been a little slower, but yeah. Um, one thing I'll say about the audiobook is I continue to really enjoy the voice that they picked from Martian Rowe. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. a very unique, like Agreed. creepy voice. 
that yeah, I haven't like really not, heard not him use. Quite, yeah, it's not quite a Thrawn level creepy for me, but it's definitely in that range. Yeah, it's almost like if Thrawn and Kylo Ren were Had mixed. a baby. <laughs> yeah, it's like if that was mixed, that's Martian Row. It's kind of that kind of creepiness, but also that spoiled bratness about it too. Yeah, agreed. Uh but it comes across really well. And we're starting to learn more about Martian Rowe. And I know they're going to be doing uh, like a limited comic series with him. So we've gotten a little bit more okay. kind of images of him too. Mm-hmm. And I'm just really liking this as a villain. I really like him as a villain. I like how he's just purely evil. He's just trying to get power. He's trying to destroy the Jedi. It's just there's no, you know, kind of gray area for him where you're mm-hmm. like, oh, maybe his motivations are good. It's like, no, this is just a bad guy. We can enjoy him as a bad guy, but also root against him and hope maybe he eventually See, dies. and that's so interesting because I kind of feel like there's that push and pull of good and bad with him. Like, that's really? interesting because I don't, I don't view him as just strongly bad. And I guess that's because, like, my frame of reference for that is Darth Maul. So, like... I don't feel like he's as evil as Maul is or like as power hungry and driven that way as Maul is. Like, I don't get that from him, but I do really like his vibe and I like his manipulation style, you know, and kind of the game he's playing. So I find that as being like, that's very villainy. Um, but I don't see him as just being like, you're bad dude, dude. I don't know. You know? He's pretty ruthless, like how he just murders people uh, for well, no... Well, I'm not saying that. That's what, not... What, okay. what does it take? I guess maybe there's... there's. <laughs> well, see, I think there's a big difference between the way you and I view these kind of things because you are so purely like Jedi good, you know, like you you live in that bright Jedi light, <laughs> whereas more on the bad side so i think when i look at villains i look at him differently so it's like just because someone can kill someone in cold blood doesn't automatically to me mean they're just like the worst of the worst like i think i think the worst bad guys are the ones that you know drag things out you know and like like maul does you know he like gets in your brain and like messes with your head. I mean, I, honestly, everything you're saying to me describes Martian Rowe, like the way he he is manipulative. He is like that he, with the Nihil, yeah. Yeah, he like messes with you know the people that kind of are directly beneath him. Oh, I know. That's and, and that is that's like I don't know. I don't well, know. Like I guess... the scene. So like, I'm not gonna let it go that easy. Oh, that's fine. Because I think you you oversimplified, you know. I do like good guys, and I like the Jedi, but I can also recognize evil. And this guy, you know, when he's having all these different kind of voices from his father coming back into, yeah. you know, yeah, that was kind of creepy. <laughs> and you're hearing that, and he, you know, you don't really know where that's going. And cause I think there's probably a point in the book where you could think, okay, maybe he's this like this is his conscience, you know, almost speaking to him. But then at the end, um you know, when he remembers how he mm. found his father, you know, kind of dying, having been stabbed in the back. Mm-hmm. And then he, you know, walks up to his father and 
kicks him in the face. And like the way that it's described, it's like he kicks him and that like smashes his face. And he, the second kick probably knocked him out. The third kick probably killed him. And then the rest of the kicks were just for fun. Yeah, like serial killer style. You know, Yeah, but for me, I like that. I like him as a character because I find him really interesting. And, Mm -hmm. and I just, I like that he is, he kind of revels in how bad he is, but he's also very manipulative and I, I just find him fun to read about. So I hope Yeah, that he's he, got a he's got a mall quality. I was a little, yeah, yeah, I could see that. And I, and I was a little nervous at the end of the book because I'm like, oh no, are they going to like, is this his, the end of his story and they're going to maybe move us on Oh, to no. a bigger baddie. And so They're going to cut I was him in happy, half. I was happy to see he kind of made it through and it seems like now he's got in possession of something even more powerful, which we're like literally jumping to the very end of the book here. So there's a lot more to talk about, but um, in short, like the character a lot. Well, I mean, if he gets cut in half, he has like a spider ship or something. So There is a spider ship. there's a spider ship. <laughs> you were probably happy to see uh, Bell Zetafar getting Uh. <laughs> I some was more screen time. okay. He was Okay. he was a Hold big part on. of this book. Hold on. Yes, I was. And I really like the character of Bell Zetafar. But I remember distinctly when like the one time in this book where I actually screamed something in my car Okay. I was I can visualize it because I was on my way home from work I'm driving down the highway and then he gets harpooned in the Oh stomach yeah. and I was like I went son of a bad word why the hell like I just started I was pissed I I was like what are you doing I kind of knew, I feel like they do that across all these authors that have been doing uh, High Republic stuff, is they do the, the kind of fake out kill deaths. It's like, okay, this person just got stabbed through the shoulder, this person was stabbed through the stomach. But it's like, you're kind of like, okay, just wait till you get to the next chapter and they wake up in a back to tank. Like, it, I didn't think he was going to die, but I was just pissed off it... yeah, he that took they one. even, that they even had to go there. And then also, I mean, not to bring it up, but I'm bringing it up. He's one of the few people of color in these books. Yeah, And I knew they I was weren't like, I I knew they weren't going there to kill him. I just I like that they do some of these dramatic moments where you're like, "Oh wow, like the stakes are high. The stakes are real. Like people are getting injured." This book really does that. Like it gets into It you does. know, there's a lot of violence when they describe the battles and the fights, the way Yep. people are getting punched and like the, the way that they're and I know in the audiobook cuz I did listen to some of it, there's a lot of crunching of bones. Punch to the head, to the stomach, to the arm. I Yeah, know that's it's not specific, it's but I'm just, that's never going to go away. it's super yeah, it's super um <laughs> intense, almost more than I enjoy. It gets to a point yeah, where it's like like a little bit starts over to get a little gory and you're like, ooh. Yeah, it's a little overly descriptive sometimes. I'm like, oh man, Yes, how yep. I, yeah, but you know, I was really pleased to see him and like, okay, so my initial reaction was what I said. But if you think about it over the, the whole, the whole book and the whole story and the leveler and like all, all the stuff that happens and what Belle sees at the end, you kind of understand why 
because he was like having this like come to Jesus moment with the force and they sort of go into that and talk about it about how he views the force as fire they talk a lot about how the Jedi different Jedi visualize the force and he visualizes it as fire and there's this one line when he is in the back to tank and he said that the force left him as cold as something and I was like ooh that's not good yeah, it's he's still trying to figure it all out, and yeah, you know, his he, connection with the force, and whether he believes anymore. In in Loden, so I had kind of forgotten <clears throat> that he was Loden. Great Storm was believed to be dead. So when I was, I first, had forgotten that, but I just thought he was dead. So when I first started reading the book, and they had mentioned that he had lost his master, and like Loden, Great Storm was dead, and I was like, wait, when did that happen? Like I was trying to remind myself because. I had been reading the comics as well, but I knew I was behind on the other two novels that had come out recently. So I'm like, did that happen in one of the other novels? Like, did I just get spoiled? And so I started looking on Wikipedia, trying to figure out when it happened. But then I was reading other spoilers and I'm like, okay, stop, stop, stop. So I was really confused as to when that happened. But I guess looking back now that, you know, once I finished the book, I wasn't worried about being spoiled anymore and figured out that, you know, it just, it happened in Light of the Jedi, but I just totally, I guess it had been long enough since I read it, I had forgotten that he was already considered out of the picture. Right. Um, so, but then, of course, later in the book, we find out he's not really dead anyways, so it was right. kind of a big waste of time for me, <laughs> but, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, the whole, the whole journey with Bell, you know, trying to figure out his connection to the Force, being injured, you know, making all these new Jedi friends, then finding out his master was still alive, but only to find him in like this really bad state, right? Mm -hmm. Like he was basically next to death and then mm -hmm. what happens to him at the end. So it was very, um, I would say maybe he's kind of the key character in this book. Um, along with, yeah. I would say like Elzar Man and Stellan Geos and yes. him are kind of like yeah. the, the, the main three they, they seem to focus on in this one. Yes, and let's just talk about a sexy Stellan Geos and Elzar Man for a minute. Right? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Elzar Man, we already we knew him and Avar Chris kind of had a thing, right? Like at the very end of Light of the Jedi, there's that whole scene. Look, Avar Chris doesn't deserve that man. She I mean, she's pretty awesome. I think she's. I, I mean, look, I think she's more awesome my type, too. but <laughs> no, but she's she's awesome too. But she's kind of like more Mon Mothma y to me, and I'm like, no, dear. No, no. I don't know. Like I've been re like in the comics. There's certain um, scenes in the comics Ooh, where there's spicy scenes. Not really. No, not at all. Like <laughs> it. It's more just her just taking charge and coming coming in as like an amazing Jedi and kicking butt. And like she's maybe my favorite character in the High Republic right now. So. I mean that's cool, but still, like uh uh, Elzar Man deserves better. Better than did Avar you get? Chris? Okay. Did you oh. get? Uh, did you get uncomfortable like during all of the? looked at her neck scenes and la 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 <laughs> yeah it I, felt when, weird when those scenes started i was like oh aaron's not gonna like that it felt a little weird in i don't know in a star wars the book but i guess i'm getting more used to it because they're doing it more in star wars books but it did feel a little like okay like i guess he's he's attracted to this person locked, and he knew that she knew that there was more there but they made it such a big deal at the end of Light of the Jedi, that him and Avar were kind of like this unspoken, like they had this attraction, but they knew they couldn't really act on it. She shuts him down. She does, but I, it seems like, like no, it's more no, of a no, triple snap. business before, you know, 
bro kind of thing. Like she's pleasure. not. Yeah, like she she's focused, or but not that no she doesn't have. Ever. So to to I guess it's what okay. happened. It's okay. He's good. He found he. There's this other girl. You know. I know that's where it, it kind of it starts to be like okay. He obviously has an attraction for Avar Chris, but maybe because she was so cold to him, he you know found comfort in someone else. Okay, whatever it happens. But it was just a little like they made it such a point to connect those two characters, only to have him kind of randomly hook up with this other girl. But then that didn't really mean anything either. It felt like a little extra. I was like, okay, I don't. Okay. No, I think it's just you know it's just showing off the fact that like he is, he's the dude. He's a player. It's like. He's not a player. You leave Elzar Man alone. He is not a player. He's just very. He seemed more emotionally attached than the the woman. I'm forgetting her name, but she was kind of like it's good. Super charismatic. Yeah, so it was it was worth pointing out that it caught me off guard because of me thinking that I was I was shipping them. I was shipping him and Azar, or Avar. Avar. I was shipping. Oh, them. but that was a good. That was a good. A good ship name, though. Azar. Yeah. So I was shipping them, and then this other girl comes in and messes up my ship. So I guess maybe that was more of a personal thing that I didn't like. <laughs> so I was like, "Who is this girl? Get out of here!" With and she has like an Irish Who accent in the, in the audiobook. Oh, that was so weird. So yeah, like... her Irish accent was bizarre, man. I was like, "Oh, okay. So now we're Irish." Yeah, it's funny to like, me. Is she like a little tiny leprechaun? <laughs> it's funny to me. The uh, that's one complaint I have about audiobooks, and I'm sure I've said before, but the the need yeah, the, voice the need for them to make the so many different accents, I guess, to distinguish characters from each other. I feel like they don't need to do that. I think they could just change the tone a little bit. But they they did that with a lot of characters, though. Like they did a lot of high pitched ones that were in this book, and they were like, <laughs> they. I mean, to his credit, he's got a lot of different voices he's got to cycle through. And oh, God, yeah. I mean, that's one thing about the High Republic. Even reading this book, you know, we were talking about these main characters that they focused on, but there's so many other characters that they introduced us to that kind of are important too. And it's starting to like, okay, trying to keep track of who's who and what species are they and wh- what other stuff are they in and should I already know this about them? <laughs> it it starts to get like you need a spreadsheet. Right. Well, and... And then okay, so there's a Chadra fan in the in the book. He's like the doctor, and I'm like, wait, so the Chadra fan is that little bunny bat thing from uh, one of those other one of the other books, and that was super cute. Uh, it's like a little, little girl one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and like her voice was like, you know. Okay. I'm going to say something that maybe only hit me, but there has to be someone else out there that this, this, and I want to ask Kevin Scott about this. So this Chajafon, which is obviously like a bat, right? We all know what they look like. Well, they're like like little bat bunny things, right? No, they look more like bats. They just look like if you Google Chajafon, it looks like a little bat creature. Um, And this one has a prosthetic leg. Yeah, that's odd. They're not even big enough to have legs, really. They're small, right? So <laughs> it has a prosthetic leg. So legs. there had to be someone else out there that immediately thought about Anastasia. Oh my God! Yes. Right? There's a bat with a peg leg in that, right? He, he, I don't think he has a. He does. Are you? You're talking about? Um. Oh my gosh! What is his name? Um. Uh, 
Yes, but he doesn't. He doesn't have a peg leg. Oh, you know what? I'm thinking about Great Mouse Detective then. Yeah, you're thinking about Great Mouse Detective. Okay, okay, I'm getting and those two characters mixed up. That is a bat. There is a bat in Anastasia, but he's like, "Give her a ha, give her a hi ya," and then I kick her, sir. That's from Anastasia. Right, right, right. So I'm getting the characters mixed up, but there is a bat with a peg leg in Great Mouse Detective. Yes. And so as and I'm reading this about this little stooge. Right. As I'm reading this about this like bat creature who has a prosthetic leg, I'm like, I, there has to be. That's just too much of a coincidence. Like Kevin Scott is referencing Great Mouse Detective. Probably not, but I want to ask him about it. I don't know what. So we've so the Republic Fair is a huge part of this book and they've been using yeah. it and that like i was trying to picture it and i'm like i don't see it floating islands like i had to go almost to like avatar land at walt disney world and animal kingdom to like try to like visualize what this looked like so it felt very much to me like speaking of walt disney world it felt like a futuristic version of epcot like they have this this yeah. place this festival okay. type place where there's all these different foods that you can get and each one of these pedestals or these floating things kind of represents a different planet. So kind of like going through Epcot and the different country pavilions. So it felt like to me, I was like, okay, this is almost like a play on, you know, a Star Wars version of like a really well done amusement park. <laughs> right. And, or okay. like a World's yeah, Fair okay. type thing, which is, yeah. you know, which is very yeah. Disney as well. So I was kind of like looking at that and then thinking even the way they were describing the the way they were getting around was like, oh, that's like the Skyliner. Like it was it felt very much like Skyliner, <laughs> almost like they were referencing like a, this is kind of our version of, uh, you know, Disney World. But yeah, but, yeah. No, but I get, yeah. more okay. Epcot than anything else. Yeah, it was it was definitely interesting. And that's where we got a lot of bird noises and bug noises. The different I was creatures. like, Ugh. yeah, yeah, but it's yeah, and they also have like characters from or like animals and stuff from Onderon that'll like kill you in their <laughs> zoo or whatever. There are, first of all, one thing we need to mention: there are five million references in this book to comics, legends, other Kevin Scott stuff, um, right. like. Dooku, his adventures like, books, yeah. Dooku Jedi Lost. Like, there's tons of references in this book. Like, once I was done reading it, I found a, I actually found a YouTube video that was like 60 facts about the book, and they were just listing off like all of the references. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, like reminding me of stuff. And like some of them I already caught. You know, they mentioned Ashla and or Tython and Ashla, and there's you know. um they mentioned the the dude on the ship in the Clone Wars with the lightsabers and the Padawans and putting them together for the first time. Oh, yeah, the, uh, the droid, like, lightsaber guy. Yeah, that yeah. guy's been around for, like, a bajillion years. Um, so there were all these things and lots of mentions from Clone Wars content, you know, and I'm just like, good God. And, of course, some of them you catch and some of them you don't. But when you watch a YouTube video like that and you're like, okay, that's why that sounded familiar. Okay, that's why, you know, I didn't, like, in my head as I'm reading, it made sense, you know? Like, I, like, it's like my brain, the deep 
areas of my brain that have some of this knowledge in there that, I, you know, I was like, yeah, I've heard that before, but I yeah. don't know from where. <laughs> and some people don't like that, you know, all the over-referencing. I really like it. I think it just makes, yeah. it makes everything feel more connected and it makes, it just makes me perk up when I recognize something. I'm like, oh, I, I know that name or I know, I know what they're referring to there. It just keeps me invested. So I'm all for it. And yeah, it seems like, like Kevin Scott is, that's kind of his style. So, I'm, you know, so far the stuff that he's been doing in the high Republic is, is some of my favorite stuff. Yeah. Like they mentioned, um, that one Jedi that we see in a Clone Wars episode, I think it's the episode where Ahsoka loses her lightsaber. Oh yeah. Um, that one dude, um, right. He's his... in the book, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm forgetting yeah, his like name, but I know actually exactly in the book. It's like, what? Right. Yeah. As soon as they said his name, I'm like, okay, that's cool. You know, I didn't yeah. expect that character to pop up. And then obviously you have other, you know, Jedi that have been around like Yarrow Poof is, you know, has <laughs> a bit of a speaking role in this one. Uh, they mentioned Yoda, yep. you know, that kind of stuff. So it connects it to like Jedi that we know from the Clone mm -hmm. Wars era or, you know, the older ones have been alive this long. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. But the Republic Fair was also one of the more tragic parts of this book. Oh. And it was a big part of this book. Like they, it was a big part, and like, it was like bloody massacre. <laughs> yeah, but like, it was, it was sad God. because, you know, like I was saying, it was almost like a Disney World kind of place, mm -hmm. right? So you're kind of imagining like a real world equivalent, like if something like that happened, and like what that would be like. And it's just like it's it's just devastating, terrifying to read about. Yeah, it's like if somebody comes and drops an atomic bomb on Epcot. Right, and it just, the way that they were kind of describing it, like I was saying, you know, how violent the book could get and yep. almost like to the point of like, okay, I don't necessarily need to hear all that description. You know, they're talking about, you know, people dying, like families dying, being crushed, mm -hmm. like bodies everywhere. I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is like disturbing to kind of read about this place that's meant to be this like event that's supposed to, bring people together from all these different worlds and be uplifting. And then it's only like the worst thing that could happen happens in like, well, and the thing about it for me is it's super triggering. Cause like nine 11's anniversary just happened. Yeah. <laughs> and I it's was, like, Oh yeah. I, I was thinking that too. Although I was kind of hesitant to bring it up just because of how disturbing that can be to talk about. It hit a little too close to home with some of the stuff. Um, I never felt like they went too far. Like for my personal taste, it was a little far, but like overall, I never was like, oh wow, they shouldn't have gone there. Like it just, it like, I like it when they raise the stakes. I do like it when they don't shy away from, you know, characters dying. So it kept you on the edge of your seat. And yeah. there was so much going on with not only like, you know, we're talking about Elzar Man and Stellan Geos and, you know, Bell is there and all these other Jedi are there as well. And then you have, you know, the chancellor and you have this other character and like, they're all kind of doing different things and you're the hoping they all make it. super annoying Senator dude. Yeah. Right. The, the, yeah, that Celestin guy. Ugh. Yeah. He was uh, annoying. There's always one of those. Always. But yeah, it was, it was exciting to read about. Like there was definitely no part, you know, once it hit this part of the book, it was pretty much just kind of nonstop from there. Yeah. It was just kind of in your face. And you know, 
we haven't talked about the Tempest Runners, like, because there's they play a big part in this. Pan Ada, Zetar, and Lorna D. They're not some of my favorite characters. They do play a part, you know, which I think is important, uh, especially since they're, you know, the main like leaders of the Nihil and sort of plotting against Martian Rowe to take over and to get rid of him and stuff. Um, and I'm sure they'll continue to play a role because I, if I remember right, Lorna G saves Panita, right? Um, she does. At least it seems temporarily because they, they kind of make it sound yeah. like he's going to die anyways, but they leave that hanging. Like they don't really tell us yeah. what happens with him. He just kind of is going back to his home world. Yeah, so that should be, all of that will be interesting to see how the Nihil play out or if they, like, self-combust. Um, so basically, the Nihil attack the Republic at this at the Republic Fair and are using it as a chance to put the Republic out of commission for the Nihil to take over. And, I mean, it works but doesn't at the same time because they don't, they don't essentially, they don't win but they do devastate a lot of stuff. Right. And they put fear in people, which is, you know, can yeah. be a powerful thing. So even though they ultimately are, you know, kind of, you know, I wouldn't say defeated, but they're, you know, they're repelled. They're and, combating hope with fear. And so, but it leaves that, you know, now these people who thought there was like this great galactic Republic that was going to be this shining thing. Like now that's been kind of crushed, you know, and so they they definitely made their impact and kind of, I think, accomplished what they were trying to accomplish. Probably more so what Marshawn Rowe was trying to accomplish because I think he's he's kind of playing the long game a little bit more than mm -hmm. his Tempest runners who want that immediate kind of impact, especially yeah. Panada because I actually liked him. He, he was so ridiculously kind of that big, you know, Root. brute. Yeah, exactly. Type of character, where yeah, tell us, Marshawn, right? Even the the voice do? that they use, but <laughs> and they kept trying to kill him. Like Marshawn tried to kill him like multiple times. They tried to electrocute him. Tried to poison him. But this guy keeps coming back. I'm like, <laughs> I kind of want him to stick around for a while and maybe be more important, just because it's kind of fun. Funny that he's still still living. Um, and I know Lorna D. Like, gets... It's funny that you're still alive. Uh... You amuse me. I want to see more of you. Um, but he is kind of a ridiculous character, you know, that it's kind of, you yeah, know, he is, uh, a little over the top, but still funny to read about. And, and Lorna D I know gets her own, she has her own audio drama, which we haven't done yet. Or at least I haven't listened to it yet. I don't know if you have, mm -hmm. but I haven't listened to it. so I don't know. I'm sure she gets more screen time in that, you know, cause it's all about her. Whereas this book, she's definitely not the main focus as far as the Tempest runners come go, but she does have a lot that happens with her. Yeah, she's probably my favorite after all out of all of them though. Oh yeah, definitely. She's the more interesting of the three. Uh and kind of seems to be the smarter one of the three. Yeah. But yeah, so she's definitely the one to kind of look out for. But she for whatever reason, she does keep trying to help Pan out cuz I think maybe she she thinks ultimately she does want to overthrow Martian Rowe, but she probably also realizes she needs help. Mm -hmm. And that if someone like Pan does get taken she out, she's going to have less of a chance. So I think maybe that's why she's been trying to keep him alive. But at the end, they do say that she thinks he's dead. So I think she thinks she's lost that that mm. person. Although, you know, we'll see if he actually died or not. Yeah. And so like we were saying earlier on, they really 
you don't get into the leveler or which is the weapon um, too much other than we know that it has the ability to essentially destroy force users. And it kind of does that to loading great storm. Yeah. They don't, you know, they have the whole scene where Martian Rowe is going into that, goes to that ice cave and is trying to get this mm -hmm. thing. And he ends up, you know, being the only one to survive that ordeal mm -hmm. but he brings along this person who has some some access to the force but not like a full-fledged jedi or anything and just to test to see what would happen right which is mm -hmm. kind of dark anyways because then this guy basically gets overwhelmed by this creature because of whatever's happening in the force and then martian Rowe like kills him you know while he's down so well first he says what did you feel tell me tell me i don't know didn't he like Ooh. step on his skull or something? Yeah. To kill him? Like, that's so, so dark. Darth Bane. Oh, I love it. Yeah, that's very dark. But so. <laughs> and they made, they really got, like told us all about this guy, his past, like how he was be, becoming uh -huh. friends with Martian Rowe. Like, they did enough, like, Kevin Scott did enough to connect you where you're like, you know enough about this character that when he got killed the way he did, you, feel, you felt betrayed, which is great writing. But I was just like, oh, man. I that was... did, but I was like, eh. But, but cool Easter egg that I kind of got but didn't. It took that video I watched. The, they mentioned that this um, this guy was a, a user of this one drug. Mm -hmm. And that drug made its first appearance in one of my favorite things, the Star Wars Essential Atlas. Oh, wow. that's a I know. That's a deep cut. It's a deep cut. That's an old really cool, though. Legends resource. But, yeah so that whole introduction of like what he was trying to get he's getting this creature and then is, they don't really yeah it's a creature that's I'm really sure they I mean they talk about it having claws four legs crouched down like it did at the end it starts to feel I thought like that was the thing i thought that was the thing they killed the leveler is like in ice right it was in ice Oh. But well, it, I I will agree. I think it was a little ambiguous as to like what exactly the leveler is. Okay. That you know you could maybe read it that it's more metaphorical and like, but I don't know. They did they did kind of talk about it like it was a physical creature as well. So at the end, I was kind of like, okay, what is happening here? Like, or is it an actual like creature that's attacking Bell, and he just has this you know force kind of dampening effect or whatever overwhelms him with the force but also can use the force to to turn people to stone like it, it's definitely like some kind of crazy thing that i think we're going to find out more about but well i would hope so right because they leave you hanging as to like this is the the big thing that i guess martian Rowe has been trying to get control of that he thinks is going to give him the advantage against the jedi and i guess in a way he kind of he's it. just jealous because he doesn't have the force yeah absolutely and I, I think we're going to find out more about that, too. I think he's, there's going to be some sort of a, a history with him and Force users, or at least his family and Force users, mm -hmm. that he's trying to accomplish. Like, he captures Loden and takes his lightsaber. Yeah, he takes his lightsaber. And then uses it. You know, he carries it around as if he's a Jedi or as, as if he's some sort of a Force user. And, you know, they say he's even pretty skilled with it a couple times in the book. And that he yeah. does, he does yeah. use it. So, and I've seen images of him from the comic that's going to come out. 
where it shows him without his helmet. He's got his long black hair, kind of that gray skin, and then he's got the yellow lightsaber ignited, and he does look pretty badass. So <laughs> it is pretty, you know, it's it's a cool visual, but, you know, in the end, he's not a Jedi, and, you know, any one of these Jedi could kick his butt if they, you know, got into a one-on-one duel with him. And he he ends up losing the lightsaber too, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, all in all, good book. I, it's my favorite book so far of the High Republic. Of like, oh, okay. I was about to be like, of all books? Well, I mean, it, when it comes to the new canon, when I talk about like my favorite books, um, you know, the L- Light of the Jedi in this book are definitely up there. You know, I just. Sure. But I, they don't pass lots of Because uh, nothing ever will. Yeah. I don't know. I'd have to think no. about that. Because I do think that Absolutely they're. Absolutely not. I can just me, say that. For me there's a possibility that this book would, would be my favorite of the new canon. Uh, and Blasphemy, it, sir. Obviously, I, this podcast is over. Obviously, it's a, you know, it's part of a bigger story. So as a standalone, it wouldn't make a lot of sense. But, you know, this in a lot of ways plays as a sequel to Light of the Jedi in the yeah, characters well, that it uses and kind point? of the events. But one thing I did realize, because I have been reading a lot of the comics lately, is... Mm before when we were talking about oh you can kind of pick something up it's not that way anymore no it's not like not they refer to things in this book that you would have no idea what they're talking about unless you've read the comics you know where what is avar chris doing right now well there's a whole comic series about it of her in the huts yeah in the huts and they're fighting against the drengier 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 whatever and they're <laughs> they're fighting against the plant monsters and she's like trying to get more jetta to come help her but they're all busy because they're you know all at the fair and so it's a whole thing where you can you can read this book and not necessarily need to know all that but it does help so i would say mm. for people that maybe have been holding off and there's not that many issues out like i think they're only up to issue like eight or nine in the series so it's not like you're that far behind but i've been trying to read those and the the adventures ones as well and the adventures ones tie in with this. Like, there's definitely tons of connections, and it makes it more fun, I guess, if you kind of know all that stuff. The hard part is like knowing what order to read everything in because it's kind of all over the place, and you have to, you know, I had to, I literally created a spreadsheet because I couldn't keep up anymore. <laughs> and so I, I created a spreadsheet that has a list of everything that's come out and kind of not necessarily like knowing chronologically when I'm supposed to read it, but based on release date. It's like I'm trying to read them as they come out, so I feel like I'm not getting spoiled by something that happens in another thing. So. Oh, I see. But yeah. Cool. Cool beans, yo. Read the comics. Read the comics. Well, give me your guide, and I will. Yeah, I'll send you a link to it. It's a, it's a pretty detailed spreadsheet. Cover photos and everything. I would expect nothing less from you. <laughs> so it's I don't know. Face. Like I, it sounds like I'm falling all over this book and loving it. But was it just kind of like eh for you? Do you want to go on a date with this book? I mean, <laughs> I would. I'd go on a second date. I okay, feel like I've well, already gone on the first date. But yeah, I'd, I'd read it again. I'd go on a date with Elzar, man. <laughs> over uh, <laughs> Stellan. Well, you know, Stellan's just the looks. Elzar's got the personality. I was gonna say I. I, would, <laughs> I agree. I think. I think Stellan looks cooler, but Elzar's, he has a cool. Elzar's going to be more fun on a date, you know? Yeah. Mm. 
No, I really like the book. I actually really am loving Kevin Scott's stuff. I love the way that he writes novels. I mean, he's just super talented. I think The High Republic for me is one of my favorite parts of the new canon. Like, I really do like The High Republic stuff. There's been, you know, some hits and misses in the new canon stuff. But, like, you know, I didn't really like the Aftermath trilogy. I really didn't. I don't dig the, the ship one. Whatever that is. <laughs> the one that Megan always does for us. Uh, oh, Alphabet Squadron. That one. Uh, <laughs> and we're just getting way too much Thrawn. So, like, I am all in on this. Because it's totally different. New characters. New story. Like, I am loving the High Republic era. Really. Like, I love it. So, no, I'm right there with you. I mean, like, I don't know. Lost Stars is just like in this place of, you know, like it's just never going anywhere. Like the way that some people feel about Empire Strikes Back, that's how I feel about Lost Stars. Yeah, no, I, uh, I agree. It's a, Lost Stars is more of kind of a standalone that you know you don't necessarily need other other books around it. Uh, right. Whereas this but I is did a. See... Go ahead. This is just like a whole series that's connected, so it, it all, you know, it's hard to pull out one novel and say, oh, this is my favorite novel because it's so connected to everything else. Right. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying like, I like all of these, but I don't think any of them will ever surpass um, some of the other books. But I did see someone that said that light of the Jedi is like, is like a new hope and rising storm is like empire strikes back because you go into Rising Storm thinking, okay, you know, things are going well. Like, then they, you know, they've got the Nihil situation under control, blah, 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 blah. And then by the end of it, it's like, crap. Yeah. You know? And I know Del Rey. So, like, if you look at it from, like, the Del Rey releases, then the next one would be Claudia Gray's novel, The Fallen mm -hmm. Star, which would be. Which is going to be Return of the Jedi. If you're looking at it, like maybe the, it is kind of planned out as like, um, you know, a trilogy or at least from the Del Rey novels. So. Right, right. And that's kind of how I view them. I view the Del Rey novels as like a trilogy or yeah. whatever. So I already had that thought in my head. So right. to me, Rising Storm was literally a sequel to The Last Jedi for me. Yeah. So that makes sense. And I'm just hoping that if Claudia Gray sees it in this light of A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, that maybe she'll put an Ewok in it. <laughs> That'd be cool. Yeah. I'd and be it, like, ha ha! And it will be interesting to see kind of what the end point is for all of this. Like, if it, how popular it gets, you know, if it's selling a lot, do they, you know, maybe they planned for that to be the final, you know, adult novel, but then it's like, well, this is really popular, let's keep making them. So, I don't know, they haven't really announced you know, I know this is like the different waves or whatever they're calling it. Uh, you know, the next wave doesn't hit till early next year. But, you know, is that the last wave or is there more coming? They, You know, they kind of haven't given us that end point. So I'm excited for there to be a lot more of this, although it is a lot to keep up with if you're reading the comics as well. Yeah. But, um, you know, I this is this has been my favorite kind of thing about the new canon. Like this is what I've gotten most excited about. Um, so I hope that they continue them. And we didn't even mention, like, there's a, the whole, the character, uh, I think her name's Ty Yorick, who was kind of like that beast, oh, yeah. that beast hunter. You know, they introduced Yeah, her. she's like a, she's like 
a Jedi who left left the order and was you know out there doing her own thing and then comes back to fight with the Jedi and like you know is like oh yeah this right. is what it's all about. Yeah, and she mm-hmm. there's a whole comic series um from Marvel the monster of Temple Peak. Mm-hmm. It's going to be her as well. Oh no, that's an IDW, but that's going to be all focused on her. Even better. Um, and actually, I think it just came out on the 11th. Mm-hmm. So uh, so that's another one like where they kind of threw her into this novel, but then she's going to have this whole comic series about her too. So yeah, it's it's pretty cool to kind of keep up with, you know, all these different characters and there's no lack of visual references. That's for sure. We kind of know what they all look like. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of another show. Uh, and if you guys want to find us on social media, on Twitter, we're at SW Bookworms. You can send us an email to starwarsbookworms at gmail.com, just like our friend Matt from Australia did. <laughs> Down under. Good day, mate. Koalas. Scary spiders. I've always wanted to go to Australia, but I've never... They have killer animals and bugs. When I was a kid, I was obsessed with Australia. Like, I just really... Like, all the animals from there were so unique, and I just wanted to visit. So I was like... And I've never... So you even as an adult, I haven't die. gone there. But I, I want to go. I want to go to Australia, too. I just don't want to die by kangaroo kick. I'm sure you could avoid dying. There's, you know, just... Uh-uh, you wake up, and there's, like, some giant freaking bug on your window or something <laughs> that's in florida too uh well yeah that's true too <laughs> anyway all right. tell the people all right well the if they want to find stuff. us on facebook oh okay if you want to find us on facebook you can you just go to facebook.com slash star wars bookworms we also have a facebook group so if you want to chat with us about the different books and comics and all those kinds of things uh feel free to just search star wars bookworms and find our facebook group answer the questions and we will let you in you can find us on apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and wherever you listen to us please take the time to leave us a review it helps more people find the show and you can find me on twitter and instagram at ice cold penguin and you can find aaron at av goals so until next time keep on reading and may the force be with you Ta-da. i still can't believe elzar man was messing around on Avar Chris. Oh my god. <laughs>